Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by our friends over at Celsius. I am John Ledger. Along with me today is not Scott Reynolds. He is suspended from the podcast once again. And today on the podcast with me is the one, the only, the great Taylor Grizz Jenkins. Taylor, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm also energized by Celsius. I've got the blueberry pomegranate here. I always have to have one behind, uh, before the pod. Keep me going. Keep me wired up. Get the brain fresh. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm doing good. How are you? During the pod. I'm during the pod. I'm going to be consuming a little bit of this Absolutely. kiwi guava. And we're obviously going to be talking about our, our sponsors. But we're also going to be talking about a few other things in the podcast today, Taylor. One of which is going to be defensive tackle prospects for the Bucs. Not just in the draft, but really focusing on free agency. We have plenty of time still to cover the dra- a lot of the draft prospects. We're going to talk about free agency. We're going to talk about the future with Ndamukong Sue and uh, with Steve McClendon and with Ra- Raheem Nunes-Roches and what's going to happen with those guys, where the direction is that the Bucs are going at defensive tackle. We're going to talk about all that on the podcast today. And at the end, as we always do, we'll have a little draft chat thrown in for you. We'll talk about some prospects I've watched recently, give you an idea about a couple guys the Bucks may have their eye on at number 32 based on what we're hearing and thinking and evaluating and seeing and all those fun things. So lots of cool stuff lined up on the show for you today. It is going to be a day to dive into the Bucks' future on the defensive trenches, and it's going to be fun, and it's all going to be brought to you by Celsius. Celsius powers active lives every day with essential functional energy, Taylor. We love our Celsius. Yes, we do. Not just because they are our partner on the podcast and the official idol sponsor of the Report Podcast, but also because they taste absolutely wonderful. You've got the Celsius heat blueberry pomegranate there. I've got the Celsius kiwi guava. It's another one of the clutch ones. Also got it in this little koozie they sent us. Not just because they send us awesome stuff. They do that as well. Got a little mask here, a little Celsius mask. Anyway, if you also want cool Celsius stuff, head over to Celsius.com. Check out their stuff. Their flavors, man, I'm telling you, lots of different flavors, which is one of the benefits, so dude. You get to change it up. You and I were texting about our top fives this past week, uh, Taylor, and kind of listing some of those. We both love the blueberry pomegranate. That Absolutely. was the big takeaway. But the, there's so much variety. I just got a tweet from somebody right before the show. I think strawberry guava or something like that they tried. I haven't even tried that well, one. Um, and for and anyone taste who thinks, is amazing. How is there no sugar in all this taste? I don't understand. For anyone who thinks that we just plug Celsius because they sponsor us, that is reason. That is cool. It's awesome what they allow us to do, but allowing us to try all these flavors. But I drank Celsius way before they yeah. sponsor the Peter Report podcast. I you can remember. Before, I think it was. Cool. It was I think it was 2019. I think it was before the pre the pre John days. The the still with Trevor and I remember. I was lined up, and Trevor okay. wasn't there that day. So Scott and I were sitting next to each other in the media center, and I had a Celsius and the 200 milligram of caffeine ones. They look like a little white claw can, same color, same size. Uh, Scott knows I'm a big fan of white claw, so he joked, "Oh, come on!" He's like, "I know you love white claw, but you can't be drinking it at the Bucks facility." I said, "No," I said, "I'm drinking a Celsius," and so yeah. this dates way back. 
they're amazing. I mean, they really are. They really truly are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody wanted to know what your favorite flavor was, Taylor. You, My favorite you say flavor. One? We discussed this one the other day. It's I love the mango peach green tea. Oh, I um, haven't had. I don't like. I'm not a green tea guy, but I haven't had see, mango peach yet. And I'm not typically a mango or a green tea guy. And generally, if I were going to opt for carbonated or non-carbonated, I would take the carbonated. But right. something, it is so good. That one is up there. I love the heat ones. I love the blueberry pomegranate. I love the strawberry dragon fruit. They're so good. They're right. so good. But I think yeah, yeah, the yeah. mango peach green tea is. All good stuff. Sup, sup. Hoss White Juke. Good to see y'all in here. Dragon Lope. Keep it coming all summer. Also, did they do the giveaway for Celsius yet? I believe that they did. Yeah, we read the winner's. Uh, on the show uh, shortly after that. James says, let's talk box, not drinks. Well, here's the thing, James. If we don't talk drinks, uh, we don't talk box because uh, that is uh, how we make money here on the PeterReport.com and on the Peter Report podcast. Uh, so there is no podcast without these sponsors. So we're super grateful for them. I know uh, not everybody always loves the advertising part of it, but it is part of the conversation. Uh, James also says, oh, worst convo ever. I say, oh, worst comment ever. Let's put it that way. All right, let's talk some bucks though, Taylor. Yeah. We do have a lot of a football talk to get to on this podcast defensive tackle is a key position right now for the bucks they are looking at an offseason where a running mate for vita vea long term is essential right this is like in the cards for them they they really need to again stew maybe back on a one-year deal i think it's probably likely at this point he wants to be back it doesn't make any sense for him to go anywhere else the bucks want him back seems like that is just a matter of time before he comes back if sue's back on a one-year deal they still don't have the answer to the future at the position. That's still a question for this team. So who is the guy that's going to play next to Vita Vea for a long time? You know, remember Todd Bowles in New York, he is piling up defensive tackles, right? They're drafting Leonard Williams with Sean yeah. Richardson and Muhammad Wilkerson there. I mean, he, you know, he wants talent at this position. I think the Bucs need I've recognized they need to get more talent at this position. They need more an interior pass rush presence. Man, imagine if they could find a stud to play alongside Vea. Man, it would help alleviate the the transition process at edge defender that's going to happen when Jason Pierre-Paul moves on or bringing in a young guy to, to, to back up those guys to have a good guy inside. So there are options, right? I mean, the, the, the number one option is bring back your guys, right? Okay, you got Sue, you got Steve McClendon, you got Raheem Nunes-Roches. All are going to be free agents. That would leave you with Vita Vea and a bunch of question marks, right? I mean, the, yeah. you know, Will Golson obviously is a, is a last year of his contract. I would not tab him as a candidate to be re-signed. Um, I think that he is somebody that you probably, at this point, you look at their age and you say, okay, the best football might be behind him. So you've got all these older players um, and, and and with Sue and Golston likely going into in the last year of the contracts if Sue does re-sign. McClendon, if he does come back, and again, he would be as a backup nose tackle. They need a backup nose tackle. It's definitely a possibility. But if he comes back, it's on a one-year deal too. So you've got all these the- guys – they might be moving on after this year, Taylor, and they need to find a future at the position. And how do they do it? The funny thing about Will Golson, you look at his age and you say, okay, his best football might be behind him. It's kind of weird that we're saying that, considering Will Golson is one of the longest tenured bucks on this team. Right. You've got the Levante Davids, the Mike Evans, the guys who've been here for seven, eight, nine years, and he is one of them. He was drafted here. He's been kept around, and he was a really, really slow start to his career. And Mike Smith's defense. I don't think they really knew what they wanted to do with him, whether they wanted him to be an interior guy like a Gerald McCoy, a three-tech, whether they wanted him to come off to the off the edge. And I think that in his last two seasons here in Tampa with the Bucks, he has really began to kind of find himself. And I think this year he played his best football. 
Now, yeah. that is good, obviously, for the 2020 Bucks. That's phenomenal. This guy that you've kept around, I think a lot of people were confused when he got a second contract mm-hmm. with Tampa because he, he, it wasn't just that his production wasn't there, right. but the usage wasn't there. Right. And so he gets that second contract. He sticks it out. He's now playing his best, you know, his best football six, yeah. seven, eight years into the league. Mm-hmm. And so it almost becomes he's done himself a lot of favors for the free agent market. Right. It's great for the Bucs. It, what's unfortunate for the Bucs is that that happens to be coming at the end of his second contract. And right. not but at the same time, if he, if he plays at that level this year, they'll still get three years of, of higher caliber play out of him uh, and during a Super window. And so yeah. I think that they take that for sure. But you're right. It's one of those things that with Will Golston, you know, and maybe they just throw an extra year on it. Because at that point, I'm trying to remember how old he'll be next offseason. So he's 29 he's now. So 20, he'll be, he'll yeah, be 30 in, in the end of July. So next year he'll be so next offseason he'll be going to be being 31 hitting free agency. Again, I don't think he's a guy that's gonna command a lot of money. At 31, he's probably gonna make less yeah. than he's making now, would be my guess. And so maybe he does end up with the box uh long term, but it it still begs the question who's gonna be the guy? Because you will Golson, although you like him and you're glad you've gotten more out of him, he is clearly not the guy, right? Like Taylor, he's yeah. not a guy that's gonna step in and play the majority of your snaps. That guy has been in Dominican Sue. It might be in Dominican Sue next season. They don't want it to be in Dominican Sue long term. So how do you find that guy? How do you do that, especially with limited probably availability and free agency? Uh, to be able to fill that role, that part of it has to happen through the draft, right? And weak interior defensive line class in the draft. So what do you do, Taylor? Like you don't have a great draft class. Yeah. You're picking at 32. You're probably going to miss on the the guy, the one guy that's a consensus first rounder, and Christian Barmore in the first round. You don't really have the resources to spend big on one of the bigger names in free agency, if there really even, even were any. And I, there are some names. I don't know if there's anybody that would be a great fit. That thought might remain a question mark for the Bucs even after this upcoming season, right? Yeah, and I think it's really interesting what you've got with the Bucs' defensive tackle position because you've really got two completely different positions on the interior defensive line for what Mm -hmm. the Bucs like to do. You do, yeah. Because you've got that nose tackle in Vitavea, and you've got that kind of three technique in Indomitian Sioux, and they are completely different positions. Now, Indomitian Sioux could not play that zero tech that Vitavea does. Now, Vitavea is a little bit of a freak, because you can't really say, oh, he couldn't play three technique because he probably could just because he's that good. But it's not that easy to replace what you have at both of those positions. Now, behind Vitavea, when he got hurt, you had to bring in a true nose tackle. And you right. had to bring in Steve McClendon because you could not throw as versatile as I think Will Golston can be. He can play three tech. He can play five tech. Depending on the package, he can slide outside a little bit. But he can't be a zero tech. And right. that is really rare. So you have guys like uh, like Hockey Nunez Rochez who can step in and play that mm-hmm. three-tech rotationally. You can do the same thing with Will Golson. You can do the same thing, but you just can't find a replacement for that zero-tech. Right. It's, it's, it's much harder on the roster anyway. So if you don't bring right. back Steve McClendon, it's going to be really, really tough because if Vita Vey goes down, you saw what happened when they right. tried to play the Will Golston, the Nacho, yeah. rotating oh, in there. traded for and Steve it, McClendon. You're right. Like, yeah, that, it's a whole different be the answer. Right. You, you basically have a whole different front seven if you don't have a true backup to him. Right. Um, behind Indomitian Sue, I think it is a little – It's I think it's a little easier to find true three techniques to back up him. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that doesn't help you for the future. Right. I know I know Indomitian Sue has said he wants to come back, whether the price works for that, for him to come back next year, let alone two, three years down the road. Yeah, it's going to be a really weird – off season for them this year, especially next year when they're all a year older. 
Yeah, um, it's, it's about playing the long game. It's not about yeah. trying to fill the need. You know, it is a need long term. It's not an essential like we can't get anybody on the field uh, on our nobody on our roster can yeah. see the field type of need. But it is a need for them for sure long term. But it's you can't rush to fill it. You have to just let no. it come to you. If it's not there in the draft, you can't reach. You know, that's what I felt like they did with Keyshawn Vaughn. And look, it, it didn't contribute oh, last year. And and now it was again, it was like, okay, we wanted a running back. We didn't get one. Now we have to reach for the next best one. That's where you have to be careful in those situations. Having said that, there are intriguing names in free agency. If you're going to pass patchwork this defensive line spot, let's say Raheem Nunes Rochez is not back. To me, I don't know why he would be back because uh, other than his energy and the fact that he's a good practice guy, and I'm not yeah. saying it to knock on Nacho, but if you have a backup defensive tackle who's going to rotate in, you want him to be able and is most impactful on passing downs. That is where Nacho is at his yeah. least impactful, and he's older at this point. There is no development happening there for him as a pass rusher. He is what he is. I think he's a fine backup, but if you are going to continue to develop Khalil Davis and you're going to have Golson and Sue and McClendon and Vea, that next defensive tackle, that sixth defensive tackle, he better be a pass rusher. He better be an upside guy. He better be a guy that has promise down the road or a guy that can make an impact in a one- to two-year window while you draft another guy that, that could have promise down the road. It better be one of those things. That's where I come to Jarrell Casey. I come to him, yeah. Taylor, because I say this man was traded for a seventh rounder to Denver. And I said, oh, my gosh, what is Tennessee doing? Jarrell Casey is one of the most unsung players in the league. And he's probably going to have a really cheap price tag. Now, I don't know if Jarrell Casey is totally falling off. He was good in Tennessee in 2019. Yeah. He's one game in Denver, two games in Denver, something like that, out for the season. So we never even got to see Jerome Casey in Denver. And then it was just kind of like a cost move. Okay, he's out for the season. We're moving on from. I, I don't know whether Jerome Casey's going to be this stud moving forward. All I know is that Tampa Bay, Super Bowl window, older player, still has pass rush ability. He can stand up on the edge. He kicks inside. You can do a lot of things with Jerome Casey. The Titans played him from a two-point stance over top of the guard or the center at times. Like he is a versatile player. You would only be asking him to contribute in doses. So you keep him fresher. His age isn't as big yeah. of a concern. His workload isn't as big of a concern. He's probably cheap. He's probably trying to win a ring. He's a type of player that I think Todd Bowles would gravitate toward. He's 31 years old, so he's not like over the hill in terms of age at least. I just think that this could be a fit. I think he could be cheap. I think he could be available later in the process uh, because there's no, there's no buzz. There's no pop with him right now. Didn't play last year. You know, was traded for a seventh rounder before that. Um, I don't think he's a name a lot that registers a lot of people. And the Bucks don't need him to be the Jarrell Casey, the vintage no. Jarrell Casey. They would just need him to be a, a solid. They don't need you to be an every down Pro Bowler. Right. And I think I, I mentioned this a little. I know the ship has sailed. I mentioned this when when JJ Watt first got released, and we were talking about how can the Bucks make this work. The Bucks right now are such an attractive place for a veteran to land. Oh yeah. Um, Absolutely. When you look at, at their first year in Tampa, you had – I mentioned this to you guys when, when we talked about the Watt situation. You had a lot of soft tissue injuries. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Scotty Miller, I think, had three or four. Mm -hmm. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans both ended their seasons with soft tissue injuries. You mm -hmm. saw it all over the roster over and over again, and that was a lot, I think, of what Bruce Arians liked to have the late training camp. He was having it at 4 p.m. He really liked to emphasize you can't get timing down, especially like with Jameis Winston. You can't get your timing down with your receivers if you're not running practice at 100%. He did yeah. that 100% speed in practice all through the year, and it started to come back and bite them late in the season. 
Now, I don't think we talked a lot about this, and I don't think that Bruce Arians and his staff ever really brought it up, but I think that one of the biggest steps they made was not on the field. It was in the way they handled the health of their players from that standpoint, from a soft tissue injury standpoint. Mm -hmm. Everybody laughed. They go, oh, well, you know, Gronk gets days off whenever he wants. Yeah. Does Gronk need to know how to play football? He doesn't. He scored two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. The guy can play. He doesn't need to practice every day. If Tom Brady needed a day off, he can have a day off whenever he wants. Mm -hmm. If Jarrell Casey comes here to Tampa, he has a chance to win a Super Bowl ring. With Tom Brady, a phenomenal roster. The playing surface, everybody loves the playing surface, the weather, other vets, you know. So not only do you have a a, a born competitor in the Bucs that have a phenomenal roster and have a very good chance as good as anyone but maybe the Chiefs, of making another run at it next year, you get to rotate. You don't have to play 98% of the team's defensive snaps, and you have a coaching staff, I think, that understands when you are a veteran and when you have a seven. what's probably going to be a 17-game season. Wrote about that. Go read about it on Peter Report. Yeah. Um, you're going to get time off. You're going to be healthy, and I think right. that's something that is a big deal to guys. Right. Yep. I absolutely agree. It is interesting. We have some questions already about Cal Van Noy. I wasn't sure we would. Anything that happens with a free agent, we get a bunch of questions about him. Dragon Lope wants to know, talk about Cal Van Noy. And I know these comments were from earlier, just catching up a little bit after we dove into the to the main topic for the day. But Cal Van Noy, uh, I don't really see it as a fit, to be honest. He plays, um, he's, I mean, I guess Cal Van Noy could technically fit anywhere. You just have to have a plan for a guy like that. He's going to cover a lot. He's going to do those kind of things. He's not a full-time edge defender. He's kind of like a Sam backer. It's kind of like only those Patriots games really yeah. use those types of players anymore. I am surprised he was released. I mean, not, I mean, I know it's the Dolphins structured his contract well, but I mean, he was a captain. It felt like he was like kind of a pillar move yeah. for that, for, for that team when they signed him and Flores, you know, trying to build a culture there. It felt like he was a key guy. I don't know what happened there. Um, I don't think he's going to happen for the Bucs, um, but a solid player. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, Brady, uh, somebody, Awesome, awesome. Zero says, "Is Calvin Noy available for uh, valuable for us? If so, Brady should make his friend call." Um, yeah, true. I don't know whether that's gonna whether they have a friendship or not. I'm not sure if Brady will have an input, but um, I don't I don't see it being a, a thing that the Bucks pursue. No, and remember, I, I'll say this still blue in the face: the Bucks are going to re-sign the Bucks before they go after anybody else. So if yeah, Calvin Noy's around later, you know, maybe they feel like he can help their team for whatever reason, but. I don't think it's going to happen. Somebody else just will, like uh, just like Bruce that. Arians builds his staff, he wants to build his roster. And right. I mean, really, why would you not? You just want a Super Bowl, right, exactly. Roster. Yeah. But the biggest thing for Bruce Arians is like the trust, the loyalty, respect, and those are the guys. He right. he, he has the guys he likes. He'll cut them. I mean, he's got. I mean, he cut Vernon Hargreaves in the middle of the season. Mm. We're going to deal with you till we can replace you. If he hasn't replaced you, you're probably a guy he wants back. Right. Yeah, for sure. Bigger and wants to know if he missed the Celsius ad. He did. He enjoys the song and the commercial. I do as well. Bigger and. Thanks for tuning in, man. Um, uh, it is at the beginning of the pod, though. You can go back and listen to it whenever you would like. Um, uh, Randall wants to know about wide receivers in rounds one or two with Godwin-level talent. Good question, Randall. We are going to address wide receivers. We're going to do it on a different podcast. We're going kind of position by position through the Bucks' needs. So we talked about edge defenders yesterday, free agency, current edge defenders, Shaq Barrett situation, edge defenders that they could – what are the plan Bs if you lose Shaq Barrett? Uh, we talked about that yesterday in the podcast. So if you go back, Scott and I discussed that at length, and we went through a lot of different scenarios. It was a really good show. It was a really fun show. Um, so go back and check that one out, and we will get to wide receivers as well now here too. So there's going to be a lot to discuss as we move along that path uh, with that position, uh, as well as the Fitz, Godwin, uh, Mike Evans, Bruce Brady, all those kinds of things. Okay, I've got um, one. Yeah, go I've for it. I've got one because I like to poke the bear. 
and I know we've got a lot of passionate Bucks fans listening. I'm going to pose this to you. Mm-hmm. Bring back bring back Gerald McCoy on a cheap two-year deal. No. <laughs> no. No. I don't think it should happen. I don't think it listen, would happen, but I, I had to bring it up. We know, and I see some fans know. You, you, It's the culture, right? You want the culture yep. of the locker room to keep moving in the right direction. That's that's important. And that's why, like I th- again, with Gerald Casey, uh, I think that that could be an asset because of that in that way. Um, and so I just had to bring yeah, that we'll up see. for the Bucks fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, know. I actually have barely seen tackle, that asked like, about. <laughs> I saw it a couple times kind of right mm-hmm. as the season was winding down, and it was like, no, it's not going to happen. It shouldn't happen. But, I mean, I think he'll probably come back and retire a buck, sign uh, whatever the 10-day contract and mm-hmm. go out a buck, but that'll probably be the next time he wears right. anything bucks. Right, and some people are talking about draft picks, draft Marvin Wilson. Uh, again, he's kind of like an undersized D-tackle type of player. Pass rush production, pass rush uh, upside, I just don't see it with him, man. I don't know. I think he's going to be a day three pick, to be honest with you. I, I don't I don't know where he wins consistently in the NFL. There are some names, though, in the draft that are interesting. You get to pick 32. There's a guy I wrote about today, Davion Nixon from Iowa. Wrote about him today over at Bucks Briefing. Go check that out. I wrote about him as the team's second-round pick. I really have no idea where Davion Nixon is going to be drafted. Neither does anybody else. Nobody knows anything about where people are going to be drafted this year for the most part because this draft process is as clueless as we'll ever be. We don't get the combine. We don't get to be around a lot of NFL teams. We didn't get to be around them all at the Senior Bowl. We don't talk to people as much as we would talk to them. NFL teams have realized they can operate in this private bubble a little bit more um, with the way things are with covid Telling you, we've got less of a clue than we've ever gotten before. Uh, you're going to be surprised um, by a lot of things, I think. Um, John, do you think how much do you think? Do you think it will significantly hurt league wide? Do you think the lack of a combine and obviously the combine, the lack, not having a combine sucks for everyone. It sucks for teams. It sucks for fans. It sucks for media. It sucks for players. It sucks for everyone. Not for but teams. Do you think? Well, yeah, not for teams. But that's exactly <laughs> what I'm going to ask you about. Do you think Maybe. we are going to see? A higher rate, and this is all hypothetical, talking about what's a hit and what's not is completely objective. But do you think it's going to help front offices in the grand scheme or hurt them not having, oh, well, look at his three-cone drill. Well, Uh, I guess they'll have that this year. Yeah, I I mean, last year everybody says that, but the the last year we really had it. I mean, we had the combine, so, I mean, you know, we didn't have pro days for some people, so there was maybe some operating in the dark, but – Again, teams have their sources and people will talk to teams, but for us, we're kind of like second rate. We got to talk to people with our team sources and stuff like yeah. that. Teams will talk to colleges. They probably still get their information. They still get their virtual interviews. You know, we don't get the access to players. So the media gets killed by it. We can't tell, oh, this guy's a complete clown. Like, you know, we sensed it and we know like teams are going to have this reaction to his personality. And, do you, you know, you get those teams, feelings. Do you think teams put any more stock in? Because obviously, I think it's fair to say media and fans take local pro days where players are having their pro days at their own school with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, you know, the forties are a little bit faster. The jumps are a little bit higher. I think We've teams just seen... go off their data now these days. Like, yeah, they got all this data and I think that they rely a, a lot on that. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. I, I don't know how much of the process is going to change and hopefully we don't have to find out much more beyond this year. We go back yeah. to normal in the near future. That'd be uh, obviously desire. But as I was saying about Davian Nixon, I think that this is a guy that, could be drafted somewhere between 32 and 64 but i'm not really as high on him as some other people are i saw bleacher reports big board release today they had him 12th overall that is higher than i've seen him anywhere else that's really high um so anyway but he's a guy that i think 
some people will say that there's this great upside with him, and maybe there is, but I don't. And, and the, I'm not saying the Bucks aren't a bad uh, are a bad fit for him, but again, it's like okay, I want a guy that I feel a little more sure about than somebody like that. And maybe he's the best option on the board. You get to 64, and maybe if he's still there, he is the best option on the yeah. board. Again, like I said, um, you can read about what I wrote about him over at PeterReport.com. I won't rehash a ton of it, but. He's one. Christian Barmore, I think, is going to be gone by the time the Bucks pick. To me, he's the best defensive tackle I've watched in this class. Clearly, um, some people have Levi. I think Trevor had a mock draft, actually, uh, Trevor Sycamore, where he had Levi on on, on Wuzarik uh, going in the first round um, to the Bucks. I just don't know. I mean, he didn't play in 2020. He was an okay player in yeah. 2019. Everybody was like, okay, let's see what he does in 2020. Then he didn't play in 2020. Then he played one day of senior bowl practice got his tail kicked all over the field and didn't play again at the senior bowl after that. It's just hard to say like, Oh yeah, this is a guy like I want in the first round. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Like I, there's nothing on tape that suggests he's that high of a play. You know, we're just going off. Oh, he, he looks good. I mean, he's you know, 295 pounds and he's like a well-built guy, good frame moves well, athletic, but it's all hypothetical. Like they use him out of position. You don't, you don't get to see his get off at Washington. He played too much nose. Are you, know, you going to draft a guy in the first round where you go, this is yeah. what we think we can do. This right. is what like we think he can do. It's a lot yeah. of projection is all I'm saying. It doesn't mean that he guys like he and Nixon couldn't hit, but I say all this to say it's just not a strong defensive tackle class, and I don't want to see you reach uh, for a defensive tackle um, uh, because of that. Hosswai Juke, we did talk a little bit. He asked, John, given that I think you generally believe that running back production is largely replaceable, what do you look for on tape when evaluating running backs must be difficult? main thing I look for is ability to create with the ball in your hands. That's the most important thing about running backs. I think and a lot of positions, but especially running backs because you're right. Like in terms of getting the handoff vision, finding the hole, hitting it in time, there are a lot of backs who can do that, who can break tackles, who can make people miss, uh, who can do those things after the catch. Those are the really important things to me, like our, our elusiveness. Some people would say, but also just physicality, like awareness, spatial awareness. Like this guy's coming. I got to accelerate. I got to, you know, this is open space. I got to get what yeah. I can here and I get, I'm going to get north and get five yards instead of cutting back. And maybe I'll get 20, but most likely I'll get zero more. Um, you know, just being able to gauge things in space. Those are the valuable traits. Obviously the ability to catch the ball, um, just purely catch it. I know I have to point that out because I cover the bucks and that's important. Yeah. Most guys can just do that. It's not like, so it's again, it's not usually a very big distinguishing characteristic, but when you're coming into the Bucks locker room, you probably is going to be a big <laughs> distinguishing characteristic because yeah. a lot of them don't catch very well. The running backs, um, so those are kind of some of the things I, I look for, Haas, when we get to that. All right, uh, we've cruised through some questions. Scott does want to know about Aleem McNeil from NC State. Uh, good question, Scott. Scott Reynolds likes him, and so I don't know. We'll see. I haven't looked at Aleem McNeil yet. He will be in one of our write-ups coming on pewterreport.com soon, uh, and as well as the USC D-line guys, uh, Scott. I did talk a little bit about Marlon Tuipatolo or whatever his name is uh, from USC in, well, after the senior bowl. I think he's going to be a day three guy, mid-round guy, but he seems like a pretty solid guy who could factor into a D-line rotation. So rotation's the way to go. That might be uh, what they have to do uh, at that point in time at the position. Other guys in free agency, Taylor, that we could be talking about. Not interested in K1 short. Um, I'm addressing yeah. names here. You you shout out if you feel any type of way about somebody I mentioned. K1 short to me, I mean, dude has barely played over the last two seasons. He's aging, decreasing. I, I don't know. I just don't see it. Um, 
I don't see where he helps you. He's never, never a great pass rusher anyway. And again, remember, that's what I want. I have run stuffers. I know I can stop the run. I want to yeah. want guys, guy who can give me a little something else. You know what I mean? Um, you know, again, most of these guys are run starters. Daquan Jones, Corey Peters. Uh, I think uh, um, um, Dalvin Tomlinson's in here. Um, you know, you these Jonathan are guys Hankins. that are prime. Jonathan Hankins, got- yeah, he's probably past his prime. He might retire at this yeah. point. Snacks Harrison. Two intriguing names that I don't know what the price tag will be. Intriguing names, remember? Sheldon Rankins, yeah. injury history. I was just saying Clearly talented, right? Clearly talented, first-round pedigree, but injury history. You've watched the Saints. I mean, you've seen him a little bit over yeah. the years, Taylor. Like, I don't know, what do you think? I mean, if he comes in for a one-year rental, you know, you know you're know, going to have a hard time drafting I like it. Round, like, yeah, I mean, uh, it's so tough. To, I mean, that's the problem with picking at 32. God, what a blessing the Bucks have this year. And – bittersweet blessing we're used to knowing we're used mm-hmm. to knowing likely even at what, 15 the bucks had last year you kind of know who's going to be there obviously they were drafting right tackle and it was a, a four-man tackle class and you didn't know how teams ranked them and luckily the bucks got their guy but at 32 it's so interesting and drafting a guy is always such a gamble i wrote that when we were talking about our biggest free agent signings and the latest round table drafting a guy even when you i mean even when you're picking Number one, Jameis yeah. Winston. Even when you're picking in the top ten, Vernon Hargreaves. These guys are gambles. They're never first, first, or they're never a f- surefire shots. And if you're telling me you could get a guy like Sheldon Rankins, who, like we said, doesn't have to play every down, can come in for a one year rental, be a veteran. He's been in the division. I would probably take that over sitting there and going, well, the top two defensive tackles are gone. We're sitting hit at 32. That's what we want to go after. And now you're deciding, do you go with another position or do you draft a guy that might have a third round grade on him? Yeah. So, well, I, you know, again, I think that with Rankins, it's really about a lot of it's about evaluating his health. Where is his health at? How much is he going to be able to contribute? How much is he going to be able to get on the field? Those types of things matter for him. But if all that's in a good spot and he can help you, then absolutely. I, I mean, he's yeah. somebody I'm interested in. I mean, and then this is interest. We don't know price tags for everybody. Yeah. If Rankins is looking for a three-year deal, no. But a one-year rental for it. cheap, trying to prove himself, like maybe, yeah, maybe that's something I'm interested in. Again, there's there's room here to contribute uh, for sure, especially if you're trying to say take Sue's snaps down a little bit. So it's interesting. Somebody mentioned a bunch of different names. Okay, well, Lawrence Guy, Shelby Harris, Daquan Jones, Mike Daniels. Daniel's aging. He's done. Daquan Jones runs stuff for again. I'm looking for pass, passing down contributions. Lawrence Guy literally runs literally just a, an early downs contributor. If they lost Will Golston, Lawrence Guy maybe would be in consideration for me for sure. If they if they had to cut Will Golston and wanted to replace him with a cheaper option at the end of his career, might be interested in Lawrence Guy. Shelby Harris is a guy I wrote about for the Bucks to go after last year in free agency as a rotational guy, Taylor. Yeah, because he may not be the greatest pass rusher. He does play with a ton of energy. He's a decent contributor as a pass rusher. He's going to probably be cheap because he's not like this amazing player or anything like yeah. that. Bust his tail on every down. But the one thing this guy does that's so unique is he has four years of crazy production knocking down passes at the line of scrimmage. He's unbelievable yeah. at it. He kills plays. Listen to this guy. I mean, literally, he's playing in a small role in 2007. Yeah, here we go. Three passes defense. 2018, small role, doesn't start any games. Four passes defense. 2019, nine passes defense. He started every game. Nine pass breakups for a defensive tackle at the line of scrimmage. This past season, 11 starts, 
He played 11 games this past season for, for Denver and 11 starts, seven pass breakups to the line of scrimmage. He's like Jason Pierre-Paul. You look at his you look at his stats right there, and you go, he's a defensive back. It's just ridiculous. I mean, he literally has defensive back like pass yeah. breakup numbers and a defensive tackle. Like, and it's consistent. Like one year, I would have said, oh, that's just a one year wonder. It's consistent. Yeah. He's been doing this for four years per snap. His pass breakup rates are crazy. So, again, I'm just intrigued because of that, and because I think it'll be cheap, and he's a. Back and then even look, you look at that. It's four years, he's got five point five sacks, one point five six, yeah. two point five. It's there. Right, he's got so I mean, he's got pro football focus. He's improved every year in their grading, and yeah. so again, it's cheap, it's it's depth, but it's guys that help you, and he's way better player than than Notch. And so. it literally doesn't matter if you have two sacks all year if you create sacks. Yeah, that's not uh, yeah defensive tackle. Yeah, it's creating pressure, forcing guys off their spot. A lot of times you would see that, and they'd st- and, and guys like Aaron Rodgers, Patrick yeah. Mahomes could step up in the pocket if you can prevent that. Right. You can you can create pressure and prevent them from stepping up in the pocket. That's when you are doing your job for. For this Bucks team, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so he's an option. So, so, so what do we have? Options for this? Do we consider Terrell Casey option? Remember, we're not saying go sign this guy. Yeah. We're saying let's talk. Let's let's look at the numbers. Sheldon Rankins, Shelby Harris, uh, and Terrell uh, Casey. Those are options for this team. There's one other guy I wanted to mention. Who is one other guy? I want. Oh, this is another one. Okay, Tyson Alualu. Jack Barrett says Tyson Alualu, great run stuffer. Uh, he had a great season last year in Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's probably going to bring him back for cheap. Um, he finishes his career there. He's also older. I, again, I don't know that it's as good a fit uh, with Tyson Alulu. Um, here's the other thing, the other guy that I'm thinking about right now. Thinking about two different guys. Backup nose tackle. If McClendon retires, you need a backup nose tackle. Different vein, right? Okay, we're different vein. Yeah. We know they're going to bring in a backup nose tackle. Backup nose tackle, Mike Pennell. Chiefs, 30-some years okay, old, yeah. 30, 31 years old. Been a run stuffer, good one, very cheap. Only going to play a certain number of downs. Um, again, fills a role. Fills a role. That's what he is. Yeah. Pass rush potential. Young guy potential. Again, if you're going this route, what about a Larry Ogunjobi? I have no idea what a Larry Ogunjobi from Cleveland is going to cost on the open market this season. I really don't know. Here's the thing that makes it intriguing. His number has to be lower than it was thought to be two years ago. Everybody thought he had all this promise. Last two years has been a whole bunch of nothing from Larry Ogunjobi. It just hasn't been. What you got great well, you know, again, but he's young, he's explosive. There are flashes. If he's cheap and he's like on a prove it deal or something like that, again, you can say, listen, you're going to play a lot of passing downs in this defense. Um, we need you, you know, we need you to to come in and, and spell Sue and play a lot of these downs. Um, it's interesting to me. I'm in China. Interesting to me. I again, it's a that would be kind of the bridge between a good pass rush depth piece and also a younger player. I'd be intrigued by it. Bill Byers wants to I'm so Miller. interested. Vaughn Miller. Yeah. Vaughn Miller's not Von coming is- to Tampa Bay unless they don't re-sign Shaq Barrett. Yeah, I don't think he's leaving like, Denver either. No. And I mean, we mentioned it, you mentioned it for a second, but Damon Harrison is such an interesting option. Um, he's just so old. He's, he's just he dying. is old. But God, I thought they had such a good chance of signing him last year. He they could were have intrigued. signed. Didn't they reach out? They yeah, reached out. Yeah, they year. reached out. And here's what happened. He he chose to sign with Seattle's practice squad. And then they cut him, right? He, yeah, and then they waved him. He wound yeah. up in Green Bay, and he didn't play. He had an option. He would have been on the roster for Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. He would have been on the active roster and won a Super Bowl in Killer. Tampa Bay. He would Hurts. have been a starter for Hurts. nine weeks, and then he and then he chose Seattle to sign to the practice squad. Right, and then right. told everybody, "Shut up! I'm doing what I want to do." Right, and then oh, got yeah. waved, and then oh yeah, and then didn't he get waved because he said he wanted to be let go because he wanted to start? 
He was like, he, I came here and signed with the practice squad, but I thought I was going to get a chance. I don't to know. Like, it was, I don't know if it was start. I don't know if it was that, but he wait. wanted to be on the active roster. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't but, remember yeah. exactly, so don't quote me on that, anybody. But I think that's what he was like. Oh, well, I signed with the practice squad, but thought it was going to be an active role and could have had a ring. Yeah, could have had a ring. Yeah, it hurts. Could have had a ring. Stings for my guy. Stings for my guy. Loves that. Yeah. Uh, Jack Barrett wants to know Derek Wolf. Uh, what about Derek Wolf? Thought a lot about Derek Wolf, actually. I, I mean, I mean, a lot. I thought about whether he'd be a fit. He's a guy I thought was just kind of falling off at Denver. It just, again, yeah. like, there's this, just a very finite skill set there's just not a lot of room for upside or growth with with him now he goes to baltimore and he has a great year he had a really good year um i think baltimore wants him back i know baltimore wants him back um will they get him back i don't know i don't know what's gonna happen with him you know he is how old is Derek wolf now i forget how old he is but um he's not young but i don't think he's like old old so he's still maybe could could jump off that that rental um and and get himself into a decent contract so uh we'll see um Rand wants to know about Clowney. Everybody wants to know about Clowney. I just don't get it, man. Like, why do why do people want Clowney right yeah. now? <laughs> What's the appeal? He's hurt all the time. He doesn't get say. He doesn't produce. I mean, yeah, his pressure rates are okay, yeah. but he's going to ask for too much money. There's, I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, look at what last year did. He held out and held out and held out and lost money and lost money yeah. and lost money because he wanted. Obviously, so I won last year, but not when I found out that he's no. trying to you know rob everybody blind I mean, what again Clowney's gonna have to face reality and, and take another rent though his third year in a row yeah. basically but what's up so what's at this point he is who he is um you know he's a player you like to have on your team but again i don't just don't think the price tag's gonna work out for the box i'm sure he's gonna want he's not gonna get 10 mil a year but he's probably gonna want more than what the bucks are we're talking about the guys we're talking about are getting like somewhere in this we're talking about low range money yeah. per year like a, a rental trying to cash in uh, play for cheap and 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 jump out of that deal, or guys looking to finish their career off playing for cheap. So we're trying to to look at and that's where I think I know, man, I, know you're trying to help so I think I think Rankins is trying is going to try and get a multi year deal with a little more money and cash in, knowing his injury history. See if someone takes a chance on him, gets him five, six, seven right. a year, three, four years, some guaranteed money. That's why I don't, I don't think he's quite old enough, even despite the the injury history, to be like, all right, I'm willing to sign a one year real small deal. I don't think he's at that point in his career yet. Right. Long lost Glazer wanted to know about Chris Wormley stuck behind these beasts in Pittsburgh. I forget. I think he is a free agent, isn't he? But um, it has never really impressed me in the NFL. I liked him coming out. I did at uh, Michigan, but he never really impressed me in the NFL. I mean, okay player, I think. Again, like death beasts, if Golston were moving on, maybe, you know, but not a guy that I would look for in passing downs for sure. Uh, Vic Beasley. What? We got a Vic Beasley shout out. No way. TV 12 goat man. Vic I thought Beasley. Vic Beasley was going to be so good. Oh, my God. <laughs> he had too. one year with double digits. Yeah. He was my edge one. Dante Fowler was my edge two. Who's edge three in that class? Oh, it was a rough year for me, man. I was first starting out evaluating Taylor. Rough year for me. It was like Beasley. Really? It wasn't Bud Dupree. I wasn't crazy about Bud Dupree. And oh, for three years, that looked right. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Eli Harold was in that class. Uh, I think Oso Odigazua, that's who it was. It was uh, or Oa Odigazua. Oso's in this class, his brother's in this class. That's who my top three were. Nobody in that class really worked out except for Danelle Hunter later in the class. Uh, I think Marcus Golden was in the class. That was insane. People thought that was one of the best interesting classes ever, and it just didn't work out for like anybody. Uh, Vic Beasley for sure. No, by the way, <laughs> I think Vic Beasley might retire. He wants to start a church somewhere or something. I don't know. Last year was weird, man. I don't Vic Beasley is talking about all kinds of stuff with Tennessee. I don't know what's going on there. 
Um, I don't think football's in his wheelhouse right now, as far as I know. I mean, on the field, it hasn't been on his wheelhouse for a couple of years, to be Did honest. Did you ever hear the story about um, how bad Bruce Arians wanted Amir Abdullah? In, no, what's this? In what, oh, oh, yeah, I think maybe I did hear yeah. it. Yeah, for fans, they, that's they, a fun one. He was off the board, and they took David Johnson, right? It was yeah. It was like the 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 Lions or the uh, the the Cardinals and Bruce Arians. They wanted Amir Abdullah. They wanted him so bad. They were like ready to take him in the second round. They were hyped. He was dropping, dropping, dropping. It gets right before them. I think it was the pick before them. The Lions take him. They take Marcus Goldston instead, or Mar- Marcus Golden instead, and then take David Johnson around later. And so instead of winding up with Amir Abdullah, who is a good player in his own right, hmm. and what he does. Never, you know, found that much yeah. success. Was also in Detroit, so like whatever. But winds up with Marcus Golden and David Johnson, which I would say is a winner. <laughs> Worked out wonderfully. Yeah, well, for a few years anyway. David Johnson, by the way, new contract. Thank you, David Johnson. Glad to see you got that new contract, David Johnson. That was pretty awesome. Uh, the David Johnson continues to just—I mean, the Texans rack up money. There is just an unbelievable. Texans offseason will be there will be books written about it was just so nuts man when they traded you had DeAndre Hopkins on a phenomenal contract you had like a top three wide receiver with control for three years on a cheap contract for that caliber and you you traded him along with a running back (laughs) for yeah for a broken back running back getting 11 and a half million a year or whatever he was getting it was like DeAndre round. Hopkins was getting like 13 for the next three years. My favorite part is they sent the fourth rounder back. It's like David Johnson in a, in a second rounder. Well, we don't want to take two. Well, yeah. Let's send this fourth back to you. Like, what are we doing? Oh, that was oh, an all timer, man. All timer. I'll never forget where I was. It's one of those moments that will just live. Yeah. Like, there's few things that you could take to the bank when you when you see in a, a trade. I like how this has just gotten into reminiscing wild. now. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> gone out there else. Uh, Buccaneer Bruce says, What about Tano passing yo? No, I, I'm not interested, Buccaneer Bruce. Uh, he is not developed in Kansas City at all. Uh, I was not a big fan of him coming out. I thought people were falling in love with the fact that, I mean, this dude got on the stage at the Senior Bowl and people's literally like, what? Like, I mean, his body was unbelievable, no question. Yeah. But he just hasn't developed. Uh, just hasn't. He plays hard. Uh, I just think he's not a very good football player. Just is what it is. Uh, great physical tools, just not there beyond that um, for him. We really like to see Barmore fall – James Moore says, and sit behind Sue and Vea for another year. Probably not going to happen, yo. Yeah, this is a great – I mean, this is an ideal scenario. I don't know whether I'll have a first-round grade on Christian Barmore, but this is something Bucks fans will have to bear with me on this draft season. I don't have 32 first-round grades. Nobody does, really. No team does. Bill Belichick has like 32 guys on his whole board. Um, yeah. And the Bucks probably aren't far off from that, honestly. Probably like 60 guys on their whole board. Uh, Belichick's really also not very good at drafting, but he's not very good at drafting. But that's a good example, <laughs> right? But like, exactly. But um, so I would say that Barmore. So he might be a top thirty-two player for me, but a first-round grade is what your ability level is to me in a vacuum in terms of what you can be in the NFL, a caliber of player you can be in the NFL. Uh, but Barmore has really good upside. He's already developing as a passer, and I have to watch a couple more games too. I like him. I have a high second-round grade on him. I think, and I haven't seen Clemson or Notre Dame. I haven't scouted those names those games yet for him those are two of his best games against two of his best opponents so and when you look at a guy that's a top prospect at his position he's not going to land 32 picks no he's not that's true i mean that's even if he's probably not a first round talent right. somebody's going to like somebody's going to take a defensive tackle for 32 for that, right i agree here's the, the catch is the bucks love him love him and trade up and go oh, this is the only guy in our class that's worth it positions our positions like top yeah. edge guys are going off the board because they're edge guys early in the first you know um we're, we we're not the top tackles are going off the board early. And again, and maybe they get one. This is a great, great tackle class, but maybe they're not wild about anybody at 32 and they're like, let's go get 
Barmore and we trade up a couple spots. We'll see. I don't know. I think it's going to happen, but just throwing out hypotheticals out there. And I think uh, the Bucks, I mean, we've talked about it before, get really good value with trading that 30-second pick because oh, yeah. the value of having yeah. that fifth that fifth year option yeah. it is so – I mean, you literally get them for an extra year. Oh, I mean, yeah. So you can see guys trade up from 35 to 32 almost strictly because somebody might take them before that and we get them for a fifth year. So I mean, insane gun, trade value at the bottom of that round. Under my head right now, if you ask me what the Bucks are going to do at 32, it's going to be trade back. And they that's love to good, do it. Head, that's what I think is going to happen. The Bucks love to trade back. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to happen. I, I do. Yeah. I think that, And I think it probably ends up being the right move. We'll see who's on the board, obviously. But right now, the way I see it, I don't think this class is, is great. And it's definitely not great at the positions the Bucks need to be great at. Like, yeah. they need great edges. And, and there's good edges. I mean, there's there's some developmental guys. But defensive tackles, ugh, like, no. Running backs, I mean, there's good running backs for sure. But you can find running backs wherever. Like, you know, the, it, again, you fall in love with a guy, even if he's at a position where you have a lot of players, corner, wide receiver, draft him. Draft him. Because you, you need to come away with a good player from this class more than you need to come away with a defensive tackle or an edge rusher or anything like that. Yeah. Um, my personal opinion, if you're a good team, I would try to get picks for next year, or especially if you're a team with an older quarterback like the Bucs and you want to position yourself. Like I've talked about this in the pod, and I'll talk about it more as we get closer to the draft, but use this draft to position yourself for next year. I mean, hopefully you come away with some good players still, but you can yeah. trade down. If you could trade down, first, first round, second round, stockpile picks for next year, do it, man. Do it. Absolutely do it. I would love to do that. I don't think next year is a good quarterback class, though. That's the only – Disclaimer I would throw out there, but um, uh, Dietrich Wise, Jack Barrett wants to know about Dietrich Wise from New England. Possibility, intriguing thought. Early in his career, I know that there was some noise. I actually didn't even notice him as a free agent. Maybe I missed him, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, interesting. I would consider Dietrich Wise. liked him pretty decently coming out, and he would be a different type of player for them. He's more in the mold of Will Golson. I don't think he's as big as Will Golson. I don't think he's as heavy as Will Golson. I could be wrong on that. Um, I also don't know if he's going to play inside as much as Will Golston did. It might be a weird fit with Dietrich yeah. Wise. Again, those guys who come from the Patriots schemes are a little bit trickier fits. The Patriots really do things a little bit differently than other teams. And so the fits can be tricky at times um, for those guys. So anyway, lots to consider. We've talked about a lot of those guys, a lot of the um, uh, the, the particulars with those guys. Uh, Haas Y Juke says, I think there's some PFF work showing that no one is particularly good at drafting and it's mostly variance in terms of who gets good players. I'd imagine there are better strategists though, such as being smart about which positions you prioritize trading down, etc. Yes, there are definitely people who are good at drafting. I think what Haas is trying to say is that there isn't enough of a difference a lot of time between teams that are yeah. good at drafting, teams that are great at drafting to actually be a consistent hierarchy in each draft. Like this team has an advantage just because they're better. Now, like there would be if a team, like if the Chiefs played the Jets, it's like this team has an advantage because they're better. It's clear. We have tons of evidence. We have we have data. We have analytics. We have tons of evidence. In this case, evidence seems to suggest that there's a randomness to drafting. Now, I would say there's still bottom-tier teams. There's still enough teams that are bad yeah, at it. I agree. The boost teams that are just good and all on the same plane. Um, I think but it's the point where point. I think that's extremely true with quarterbacks. And I think that people are coming more and more. Drafting the- quarterbacks? Yeah, I think that's mostly true when we talk about quarterbacks. We're coming more and more to the acceptance that I don't think anybody, whether they are professional analysts, whether they are NFL teams, whether they are some guy in their basement, nobody is good at evaluating quarterbacks or trying to translate to the NFL. I think that's where it's the most true. Right. Yeah. 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 So you're right. It's, I mean, there's a lot of the draft that's a crapshoot for sure. I think there are clearly GMs and teams that are better at it 
than to the teams that are bad, but of the teams that are good at it, there's not a huge break in between them a lot of the time. And even possible for a team that's bad. And again, the development matters at the NFL level. Who's yeah. your coaching staff? All I 100% that stuff agree with that. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think, we're seeing, a big a shift. <laughs> I think we're seeing a big shift to um, tools. I mean, just seeing, especially at the quarterback position, I mean, things that you can't teach. Like you can teach yeah. technique. Now, granted, how well you can teach that technique, how much a guy can physically pick up, that's that makes a difference. Yeah. But I mean, when a guy has something you can't teach, there is always value in that. And I think it's going to become right. more and more evident. Yeah, this year, uh, this week, today, actually. Yeah, exactly. Scotty Miller. Right. Build a build around a trait that matters to your team. The Bucks yeah. do that really well. Uh, I wrote about this today on pewterreport.com in my Bucks briefing column. Jason Away, edge rusher for Penn State. I wrote about him. You can go check out the whole write-up on him, though, as we as we get into draft talk a little bit. Again, it is going to be a consistent trend with this draft because players didn't play in 2020, played less in 2020, didn't often play as quality competition consistently in 2020, then decided to declare for the draft with the uncertainty that will, I'm sure, surround some aspect of the 2021 college football season. You have more players that I would define as raw this year than in other years. I don't know what that's going to look like in the NFL. So it's you're going to get here tired of hearing me saying, but it just – the reality is it's just tough to to be able to jack a lot of players that are this raw um, to the NFL drafts. So Jason Away, a prospect that a lot of people are talking about for the Bucks, edge defender, Penn State, 6'5", 252, has tools, no question, Michigan tape, definitely some flashes, Maryland tape, crazy run defense, but pass rush is still a very much a work in progress. Here's the catch, Taylor. A first-round guy, a guy who's getting billed as a first-round guy. I think Daniel Jeremiah has him in his top 20 players overall. A lot of these big draft people have him high. Dude had zero sacks last year in seven games. Yeah. This is seven starts last year. Uh, when wild. was the last time an edge guy got drafted in the first round with zero sacks? And they played seven games. It's not like he played two games and barely started. He played seven games. He and this is the level where guys are getting two and three sacks a game sometimes. Right. And when people you look know. at Chase Young – Oh yeah, I mean, I mean he was going. There were games he had four sacks. Yeah, you look people like know from listening to me. People know from listening to me. I'm the furthest thing from a box score scout that it gets. But I respect the fact that data shows us that. And I've done this research. I was I was the person I think that came up with this research for this. But it, if you look at edge rushers who were drafted in the first round, or drafted any time actually, drafted any time in the draft that had less than ten sacks in their whole college career. Jason Away had seven in his whole college career. None this past season. Seven in his whole college career. If you look at guys who, who played on the edge predominantly in college and had less uh, less than 10 sacks during their college career and what they came out to in the NFL, the profile is bad. It's very scary. Yeah. Here's your great player, Danell Hunter. That's it. They well, played on the produce, edge. If you can't produce in high school, what do you think the guys are going to do in college? Yeah, I mean – And this you, is a much larger jump. Right. I mean, you look at the, 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 the level of high school to college, this is a more massive jump. Yeah. And if you just can't produce at that level, it's a right. It's a big it's jump. Really it's a big jump. There's a lot. There's a lot to evaluate with it. But at the end of it, in, in a way, does have the traits to be an outlier. But it's very important to remember that he has to be a significant outlier. I mean, yes. we are talking about edge rushers drafted since 2000 that played predominantly on the edge in college. So it doesn't include Cam Wake, who played off ball. Doesn't include Clay Matthews, who played off ball. Uh, some of those guys get accused because that doesn't, you know, and, and Chandler Jones, I think, was a 10 sacks, but he also played inside a little bit. Again, guys that less than 10 sacks that went on to be pr- productive NFL star. I mean, your best case scenarios 
outside of Denell Hunter, like Ziggy Ansu, who I don't even think he was in the league last year. Um, and he did have one or two good years, but, uh, you know, overall, a lot of hustle sacks type of stuff like that. Uh, Olivier Vernon, Robert Ayers, who Bucks fans are probably familiar with a little bit. Um, it's just not a it's not a great profile. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll continue to talk about different prospects, different players as we get closer. But again, I like some things about Jason Away. I really do. And if I t- if you told me he was going to be there at 64, I'd probably pull the trigger and take the risk. Totally, but yeah. you have to buy into the person. If you want to take him in the first round, he's got to be a stud as a dude. He's got to – Caleb on Chasen last year, less than 10 sacks in college career. A significant risk. But I knew Caleb on Chasen was emptying the club every single time he stepped on the field. That was, yeah. the, that was the impressions I knew. That was the impression I got from talking to him. Everybody I talked to that talked to him. The dude loved football. Now, he wasn't very good as a rookie, so it's still a huge risk. But, like, I'm just saying he had all the athletic traits and he had the demeanor. So that's the things you want. Away has a lot of athletic traits. I don't know if he's quite as athletic as, as Chasen was. He's all the athletic traits that you, that you want, though. Does he have the demeanor? Does he have the work ethic? I'm not going to be able to sit down and talk to him, probably. Unless he comes on this podcast. Jason Away, come get yourself on this um, podcast. If you like our draft talk, by the way, Locker Room is an app that is changing the way we talk sports. It's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams that you care about. React to sports news as it happens. Gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games. Rep your favorite teams and find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation. We will be having more draft talk on there. We'll also be reacting live to free agency news on the Locker Room app. So if if you're able to and you have iOS and you can download the Locker Room app and follow Peter Report on there, I can send you an invite when we go live. It's going to be a fun time. We're going to be breaking down free agents as it happens, resigning as it happens. We're going to be doing some cool stuff. Also, Taylor, you and Matt are going to have a little something yeah, we cooked are. up for the people doing on the locker room app. Yeah, so. we're going to get that figured out. We're going to do it, what, yeah. every other week? Yeah. And we'll have that set up. You can talk to us. I know we don't get as much FaceTime in the pod, but, I mean, we love talking to you guys. It's a lot of fun. That's right. Um, so, yeah, Matt and I will have something in, cooking yeah. in the works. Yes, and Ren reminds me it is a locker room night tonight, actually. So oh. shortly after 7 tonight. Uh, there'll be a locker room. I'll be talking about some things with my Bucks peeps, as we always do. So appreciate y'all tomorrow on the podcast. Who is it? Is it you and Mark and Matt, I think? Yeah, I think Scott, the three of us will be taking on, on. Scott's on, I don't think, tomorrow. So three of you guys rocking it out on the podcast. I have yep. no idea what you're going to talk about. We we are planning to talk about running backs uh, for sure at some point on this We're podcast. We're going to talk with, with Mark know. Hosting. We're going to talk about um, country stars from 1962. Yes. Um, former Bucks best. players who gave him great interview quotes and yep, invited him peas, over to their house. Split peas soup versus rice and black and black eyed peas, <laughs> uh, southern comfort foods. Uh, but no, no, we'll be talking a It'll lot be of a good time, right? It'll be a good time for sure. That's what I know for sure. But uh, as always, appreciate y'all. 4 p.m. tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern on Thursday as well. The pod will be back as always. Thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Peter Report Podcast. Out! Out!